We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Go, you Redbirds! Go, you Redbirds! On the battle, fight for ISU! Welcome to In the Nest, the Illinois State Athletics Podcast. Now, here's the voice of the Redbirds, John Fitzgerald. Hi again and welcome in to another edition of In the Nest, the official podcast of Illinois State Redbird Athletics from Learfield. Voice of the Redbirds, John Fitzgerald, and today we are joined by Illinois State's Interim Director of Athletics, Dr. Jerry Banks. Today's conversation is brought to you in part by Jason's Deli. Redbird fans, all good things start with wholesome ingredients. Visit Jason's Deli in Normal on Veterans Parkway today and receive free ice cream with every purchase. Dr. Beggs, welcome back. <laughs> We've been doing this a year and you are the first two-time guest on m I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad <laughs> thing, but I'm uh, excited to be back. Thank you for having me again. Now, we spoke last time in early March, late February, I believe, yes. right before the Valley Tournament down in St. Louis, and you were getting ready for retirement. So the question I have for you is, how is retirement going these days? <laughs> well, I've definitely gone the wrong direction. <laughs> I was looking for freedom and flexibility, uh, and I've gone 180 degrees the other way. This job uh, provides very little freedom and no flexibility <laughs> whatsoever. But I have to say, I'm loving it. I actually, nobody is probably more surprised than me. Even my husband was saying the other day, he can't believe how much I like this job. I have always avoided administration. 
That's not 100% true. I was an administrator in my 20s and 30s, but since I became a professor, I've been, a, I've been teaching full-time for over 25 years, I have never had any desire to be an administrator. So this has been a big surprise that I've actually really enjoyed this job. And for those who are new to the party, obviously you had a long time career as the faculty athletic representative for the athletic department here at Illinois State University, in addition to your role in the marketing department. How has the transition gone? I mean, that's a very broad-based question, but you've hit the ground running at a very high pace late yeah. in the spring, and you've barely come up for air since. Absolutely. It, um, I've always been around athletics to know that they work really hard and that they work really long hours. But seeing it and thinking you know what that would be like versus actually experiencing it has been totally different. Uh, the number of hours, I've never worked harder in my life, ever in my life, than what I've been working the last three months. Um, but again, I'm kind of equal parts exhausted and exhilarated, energized. I don't know how, I don't know how those two live together in the mm -hmm. same space. I think what I discovered was I didn't really want to retire. I wanted a new challenge. And this is a new challenge. I've said over and over again, I started figuring out that um, I'm really getting invested in the people and the projects, and it just makes me want to, to do more. I wasn't sure I could do the job, like I, not physically, but could I, did I have the right skill set to do the job? And obviously there's a knowledge gap here in terms of I haven't grown up in an athletics department, but what we really seem to need uh, within the athletics department is campus relations. Well, I've spent 21 years on campus, community relations. I've spent 21 years uh, in the community. And I actually have a background in uh, fundraising. So a lot of this job is working with community members and donors and supporters. So that's been an easier part for me. Marketing professor, that makes some of this job easier because a lot of what the AD does is about communication and promotion. So that's that's been okay. A little harder on the sports side. I don't know much about some of these sports, you know, the technical side of those sports. So I've had to learn a lot, but I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. This day and age though, I, I would question, I guess, how often the technical side is important in the role of athletic director these days. I think some of the aspects of your skill set that you touched on, the marketing, the fundraising aspect, and the overall just management of people seems to be front and center a lot more in a lot of athletic director positions. It is, it is. But occasionally they'll come in and ask me a question. I literally want to spin around and look behind me like, me? You really want, <laughs> you're talking to me? Is it okay if we book, book a home and home with Western Illinois for football? And I'm like, shouldn't you be talking to somebody in football about that? Really? That's my decision. So that's the other part of the job that's been kind of funny is just some of the strange things that, that the AD you know, is faced with, come across this desk. Uh, but oftentimes, like, like I mentioned, you know, some of those contract things or games, I'm just not very well versed in some of that. So I dig in, I make phone calls. An AD who grew up in athletics probably could answer those questions in five minutes. It's going to take me a couple phone calls, an email, mm -hmm. but I get there. I get there. When things came and it was obviously a little bit rapid uh, when the decision was made, but what was kind of thrown on the table for you as far as what this position might entail for you, time-wise, all those aspects when it was when you were first approached about taking on this position in an interim role? 
Do you mean time-wise in terms of how long I do it or time-wise in terms of what I was going to be asked like to do within well, both? Well, both, both a little yeah. bit, duration okay. and as well as kind of what were some of the early check marks that you were yeah. going to have to accomplish? All right, so let's start with, with uh, time-wise. Um, when the president first asked me uh, on a phone call if I'd be interested, he started out at the beginning of the phone call, two months, end of the phone call, three months. <laughs> the next day when he officially asked me, it was six months. And I said, hey, wait a minute, last <laughs> night. He goes, well, I've kind of figured out it's going to take a little longer than that. Um, but interestingly, we, we've kind of decided that I'm going to stay through at least June of next year now. Uh, things are going well, calming the waters. Uh, it feels like we're headed in a good direction. Um, and he is also interim. And so we have a lot of interims uh, running around here, but I, I think by aren't we all though? Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Some of us bear the titles. <laughs> that's <you know>? right. <laughs> Others, it's just it's uh, inherent. Um, I think by January or February of next year, I will know whether I have any interest in continuing on long term. Right now, I'm loving it, but I also think um, everyone else will know whether they really want me to continue on in this position. So, uh, in terms of what they asked me to do. I already mentioned one is just kind of calm the waters. There was a lot of upset um, amongst our donors and supporters, and then also amongst the staff here, internal and external. Um, I, th I think we've come a long way that the staff seems to all be doing great. Um, I've spent a lot of time, I, I had lunch with every single department. Uh, I've had lots of one-on-one -on -one meetings for anybody who wanted to come talk to me. We're doing lots of hiring, and I just it feels like the staff's doing really well, in my opinion now. Um, surprisingly to me, the donors actually, our supporters weren't as upset as some groups were. Many of them were like, turn the page. Are we going to have a better basketball team? Or how's, how's football going to be? I mean, they, they just wanted to look forward, which is exactly what I wanted to do, which was to look forward. I have said over and over again, I'm going to look forward and I'm going to focus on the 450 student athletes who wear our jersey. And I'm not as worried about what happened in the past, other than that we do better. Yeah. So um, calm the waters, uh, communicate, be very fiscally responsible. And, and we are absolutely doing that. Be, we're being very careful with our with our funding and then also uh, to, to build a better, a closer, tighter, not better, tighter relationship with the foundation. I think we already had a good relationship there, but we're looking for other ways uh, to be closer to them because they handle a lot of our money. Right. So there's sure. there's a, there's a benefit to being connected. You had mentioned your time as faculty athletic representative for the institution, not necessarily embedded in the athletic department, but enough where you had a very good base knowledge of the day-to-day -day operations. You mentioned the hours that the staff, both external and internal, as well as the coaches put in on a daily basis. What have been some of the biggest surprises for you since you've kind of taken the seat in this role? Well, I already mentioned this, just some of the surprising things that, that come across the athletic director's uh, desk. I, one of my favorite days was back in May um, in the morning, uh, negotiating with Teamsters. And in the afternoon, <laughs> we have uh, barn swallows in Horton Fieldhouse and they're federally protected and we can't move them. We can't get them out. And I said, really? <laughs> this is what the athletics director does. Just unusual unusual. We have 11 buildings that we're, that we're in charge of, right? And so um, we have a budget, we have a lot of employees, we have a lot of student athletes. So it's just funny things that, you know, that that's kind of been the surprise to me is just the unusual things that end up being 
a, a part of athletics. Um, you know, again, when you have 11 buildings, we've had some flooding with, with, the, with the weather. And so just that's probably been the biggest, the biggest surprise. Uh, I've also learned a lot about the budget and, and financial stuff that I've never had to had to deal with before in any of my jobs. You know, as a faculty mm. member, they don't give us a budget. We, we're not allowed to write any checks. And so um, just looking at where we spend our money and how we spend our money, trying to do a better job of being a good campus partner. I think a lot of times campus doesn't really understand athletics. Athletics doesn't really understand campus. And actually, that's one of the places I think I've actually been able to add some value because I come from campus. I understand a little bit that uh that of that and then also my husband's an administrator so oftentimes i'll go back to him and i'll say well how does the school of kinesiology and recreation handle this just to try to understand how athletics can maybe do a better job of being a good campus partner so yeah there's a lot of things i think people on campus and within the towns of bloomington normal are excited about with regard to this coming year you talked about being a campus partner and one of the big things i think that can have a huge effect on this campus is the return of the Illinois High School Athletic Association Football State Championships, yeah. especially from an admission standpoint. Yeah, so it's a wonderful opportunity to get students uh, and their parents back on our campus. Um, I, I doubt our football coach minds too much, a whole bunch of really good student athletes uh, playing here and, and seeing themselves uh, at, at Illinois State. It's good for our community in terms of uh, restaurants and hotels and all that. So I, I think it's wonderful. I remember, you know, I went to Southern Illinois University, Carbondale. And the reason I went there is because every year they held a foreign language day and I got to go to it every year. And that allowed me to, to view the campus and I could picture myself on that campus. So if these students come here and they can picture themselves on Illinois State University's campus, whether it's playing football or not, I think that's just a really positive thing. It's a comfort level, an interest, um, an excitement around being there that makes it attractive. So I think it's a good recruiting tool. And I also think it for student athletes and regular students. And then it's just good for the community in terms of hotels and restaurants and all the spend that goes on around it. So we're excited. We'll stay on football right now because it's the most timely, but the completion in the process of the new indoor practice facility looks outstanding in its spots, yeah. and that's going to have an effect outside of just varsity athletics on campus as well. It, it is. Well, it just, it, it frees up Horton in many ways. And a lot of people don't know that a lot of different groups use Horton Fieldhouse. Mm -hmm. um, the ROTC uses it, Gamma Phi Circus uses it, uh, Campus Recreation use it, uses it, and then again, my husband's area, uh, Kinesiology and Recreation, they actually teach classes in there. And so you put those four entities, and then a whole bunch of sports who are trying to use Horton, it, it's just overused. There's just not enough hours in the day. So this indoor practice facility is going to be wonderful for all of us and all those groups because it just frees up space. And because now we have this other location where we can send sports over there to do. Um, and it also just, it'll help our student athletes not to have 5 a.m., you know, Absolutely. you know, it'll just, the times will be better for them. We know the student athletes spend so much time. They don't get enough sleep. You know, they're, they're always balancing uh, their uh, sport and their studies. So I just think it's just going to be good for them physically too, in terms of now maybe practice can be at a more reasonable time or lifting and not that there's weights over there, but that just shifts things around so that they can have things at more reasonable times for their schedule. So 
with the football season right around the corner, I know Redbird Row is no longer an aspect for fans this year, but the Heller Ford Touchdown Terrace has also kind of increased its attractiveness to yeah. fans on a weekly basis. Yeah, we're hoping that'll end up being a fun a, a fun area. We're going to have um, a, a Budweiser, Bud Light pop-up bar in, in one section of it. We're hoping to sell a bunch of tickets to uh, maybe some uh, companies who would want to be, do a group outing, you know, come and bring 30 employees or something like that. Just a fun atmosphere down there. The view is unique. You know, you're right essentially at, mm. at, at field level. So if anybody's interested in that, we, we still have tickets, I think, for pretty much every game if they're interested. Uh, but it'll be a unique uh, opportunity yeah, in that end zone, the south end zone. Any other new initiatives coming up throughout the fall or winter that you guys are kind of working on that Maybe you're still beta testing a little bit. Yeah, well, we we have some uh, some fun some fun things coming up. We're going to do the Horton game again uh, for men's basketball, and um, I don't know if everybody saw, but we're going to have a Kentucky game for men's mm -hmm. basketball. We're going to go down there and play Kentucky. So I think I think that's exciting. Uh, we play South Dakota State. It's our only night game on October seventh, and we're going to kind of do a blowout there. Uh, it's going to be the um, you know, the black uniforms for the student athletes. We're going to have some fireworks. Uh, South Dakota State is the reigning FCS champion. So it'll be a six o'clock start, I think. And we're going to, it'll be just a, a really fun game. And then, of course, there's family weekend, weekend and homecoming and all of those. But uh, yeah, lots of, lots of fun things. Going six on. home games, yeah. which is a nice way to kind of map out your fall a little bit. It is. Um, it is. I'm excited. And I, I think those afternoon start times are going to be attractive to families as well with little mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm. It's going to give them a little bit more of an opportunity to maybe take in a game as opposed to getting home at 11, 1130 at night. Yes. Yes. With their so family. yeah, most of them, I think, are noon. There might be one, two o'clock, but I think homecoming is two o'clock. Yeah. The Indiana State game on the 14th yeah. of October. You know, we, we talk about some of the things that you've done here and had to figure out on the fly on what an athletic director does on a daily basis <laughs> because there's no manual. Take the 30,000 view of what's going on right now in college athletics. How do you even begin to stay up to speed with not only what's on campus here, but the environment of college athletics, which seems to be changing on a daily, if not weekly basis for sure. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Well, coming into this job, I actually felt like I had a better feel for that, right? I'd spent four years on the D1 Board of Directors. I had spent a year on the Transformation Committee. So I actually felt like I had a better feel for the national picture 
than I did for the day-to-day -day operations of an athletic department. Um, and, and I've been monitoring all of that for years as, a, as the faculty athletic rep. So it, it's, a little, it's a little scary to me where we're headed, to be honest. Um, so is it safe to say kind of at least the news over the last couple of weeks with the conference realignments, it's surprised you, for lack of a better word? No, it, it doesn't surprise me. No. But it makes me a little sad. I, I I don't know, and again, I don't live in those FBS schools where they're you know they're going after millions of dollars in TV contracts, and I understand the attraction for that kind of money, but it's really hard for me to to balance out in my mind student athlete well being, academics on one side versus flying across the country for every single match that you play for all your sports not just your priority sports for all your sports how do you how do you balance student athlete well-being and academics versus those dollars and so it it's it's a it's a new day i mean it, it's it's very different than what we viewed college athletics 10 15 20 years ago so. do you think that we're in the midst of this right now <laughs> or we're coming out of this to a certain well, extent. a lot of people thought it was it was going to settle there for a while after there was a couple. You know, uh, the SEC was taking a couple, mm -hmm. of, Big Ten took a couple. I think everybody thought it would kind of settle down. I think this this one was a little more surprising uh, than the, that first round because I think people were thinking maybe we had we had uh, kind of reached an equilibrium that obviously we've not reached. We've basically devastated the Pac-12. We we have left them with. Um, with hardly anything. And so, you know, right now there are 32 conferences, uh, all sport conferences uh, in the, in the, at the D1 level. You wonder if maybe at some point we won't have fewer uh, conferences uh, at the D1 level. So we'll, we'll see. All of those conferences have an automatic qualifier for the men's basketball tournament, which is money and a big deal. So they'll, they'll hesitate to ever give those up, I would guess. But yeah, I, I wish I had a crystal ball. I don't know. Um, I just, I worry that it's all about money and not about student athlete well-being, which one of the benefits of being at the FCS level is, I guess it's the good and the bad, right? We don't have access to that kind of money, which is, hurts us, but also we don't have the pressure mm -hmm. that comes with that kind of money, right? Because we do have a reasonable footprint in, the, in the Missouri Valley, right? A reasonable footprint. Without a doubt. Yeah. Um, when you talk about UCLA to Rutgers for yes. a three-game yeah. baseball or softball series right. when you might be leaving now on Wednesday to play yes. a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Exactly. It's a totally different ball game for it sure. It is. Well, think about those time zone changes that those student athletes will then, you know, operate under. And it, it, that's a lot. And weather. <laughs> and weather and, yes. Delays and yes. cancellations and postponements for a day. A yeah. four-day trip could easily turn into a six. Yeah. And, and it also has created, I don't know if the right word is orphans, it's created some schools that are now not a part of, of, a, of a geographically centralized, uh, uh, they've been left behind, right? Sure. There have been sco some schools left behind by these conference realignments. So that's a problem too. Is that something in your chair, and probably with the help of, I would, I would think your peers in the Missouri Valley Conference, there are meetings to try to stay ahead of what could come next because I don't want to say we've seen the unthinkable, but we've seen some surprising things over the last year, especially yeah. over the last couple of weeks and, and trying to almost game plan prior to those things happening. I think every conference should be looking at who would you invite if you 
had to. Um, you know, the Missouri Valley added three schools, lost one and added three schools for a total of 12 last year. I don't think any of those schools were surprises. Those were all mm -hmm. schools that were ones we had considered in the past. Um, I had the, the, uh, the benefit of many years ago uh, when Creighton was leaving, I participated in a team of, of uh, Missouri Valley Conference staffers and uh, institutions. And we went out and we looked at Valpo, Loyola, and UIC. And now they've all joined and one of them joined and left already. Um, the funny story about the Loyola one to me, and you might get a kick out of this, is that they put on quite the show. They really did. You could tell that they had the finances. They really wanted to be a part of the Missouri Valley. They brought out all the important people at Loyola. Father Garanzini walked us around uh, the campus and uh, I had known him at St. Louis University. So I was thrilled to see him again. We walked away and said, you know, they really did a good job. They obviously really want to be a part of the Valley, but we don't know if they'd ever be able to win in the Missouri Valley <laughs> in men's basketball. And then of course they became, you know, one of the Cinderella teams that made it to the final four. So you just never know. But all, all of those schools, at that time, we didn't pick UIC, we didn't pick Valpo, but now they are a part. So I think there's always a list going of if, if, a, if a school leaves, who would be kind of next up? Just add something else to your plate. It's not enough hours. <laughs> well, I don't, know, I don't know that it's really my responsibility, but um, I think the conference office keeps those kinds of lists going. Yeah. We've talked about the fact that you've at least been extended into summer of 2024 at this right, point. Right. Has that changed your goals at all? And we talked about some of the reactionary goals of reestablishing campus and things like that. But for you personally in this chair, what are some of the goals that you would kind of like to see accomplished over the next 12 months? Well, some of them are financial. Um, our team budgets for our teams had not increased in over five years. And as you might imagine, well, we are all experiencing this. Travel is more expensive. Travel is significantly more expensive. Yes. Transportation, hotels, food. And so we were, we were putting our coaches in a really bad uh, position. Um, you might know that support your, support, is, support your sport is going on right now. And so they were having to fundraise for more and more of their budget all the time. So one of the things that we have done is increase everybody's, increase everybody's budget, which we've already done that probably not what they would still like to have, but it's better than it used to be. We also uh, did felt, I felt like we didn't have a really good facilities plan in terms of what were the next projects mm. that we were gonna do. And we've been working on that. And I think we have a, at least a three-year plan in terms of here are the two or three projects we're gonna work on this year and then next year and the following year. Um, continue to, continuing to invest and develop our staff, I think is something I would really like to, to see us, us spend more time on. I, athletics um, works at a very fast pace, and sometimes the important gets lost in the, in the urgent because they, they have to do things. So I've been trying to talk to people about how do we keep, we have a lot of turnover in athletics, how do we keep some of these people longer? Can we give them new job responsibilities? Um, would a little bit extra money keep them? Would um, um, you know, just professional development of some sort keep them longer because we're definitely seeing a lot of turnover in college athletics across the nation, not just at Illinois State. But imagine if all of a sudden we kept everybody an extra year, an extra 18 months, what would that do for us in terms of productivity and cost savings for 
searches and moving expenses and all those kinds of things. And just, then just job satisfaction. You know, if you, if somebody's paying attention to you, you're, you're happier in your job. If they're, if they're looking for ways to grow you, mentor you, uh, give, give you professional development. And you and I are probably, you're a little younger than I am, but the younger generation, the twenties and the thirties, they're really interested in new skills mm -hmm. and things they can put on their resume. Cause they're probably not going to stay at one institution for their entire lives. It's not going to work that way. So um, trying to do a better job of growing our staff and developing our staff and maybe keeping them a little longer is, is, is one of my goals. Um, I, I don't really know that I have a lot of others. Um, honestly, what made me want to stay, I think, is, what, is when I started realizing that I did feel invested. Like, uh, I'd, I'd think, oh my gosh, you know, I'm not going to be here in January and I really want to be here for that project. Or do you think we can get this one done before I leave? I think that was kind of the epiphany that I had is, is like, I'm really getting invested in all these projects. Maybe I'd like to stay a little bit longer. And so when I talked to the president about that, we agreed that, you know, I, I could stay at least till June of 2024. And as I said, we'll make a decision uh, probably early spring on on how much longer or whether I'll be done in June of 2024. <laughs> you mentioned support your sport currently going on now through the beginning of next week right. as well for donors to help specifically support individual sports here on campus. Right. Talk a little bit about more of what they might need to do in yeah. an effort to help out. So there is a big social media campaign going out and I think there was an email uh, list that went out an email that went out to all of our previous donors and so what we're what we've asked each of our sports to do is prepare a case statement meaning like what do you need this money for I think donors like to know exactly which sport it's going to and exactly what they need that money for so several of them are looking to do foreign tours one of the things uh, a lot of our teams like to be able to say is that they do a foreign tour every so many years um, which is a wonderful opportunity for our student athletes. Many of them have never been able to travel outside the United States. So it's a, it's a great uh, opportunity for that. But then also they get, they get to practice extra. So the team gets better. They get to bond. So there's a, there's a real culture um, uh, idea there. Some of the teams are raising money for extra nutrition. Uh, some of the teams are raising money for equipment. So each team gets to pick what they're interested in. What I love is that we have a whole bunch of challenges. I think almost every sport has some kind of challenge gift where one of our loyal supporters, uh, donors stepped up and said, I'll give you a certain amount of money forever. You know, when you reach 5,000, I'll give you 5,000. One of my favorite ones is Doug Collins has agreed to give uh, money every time we get to 20 gifts. He was number 20. So every time we get 20 more gifts, I think it's $2,500. He's going to give up to $10,000. And so I, I love those kind of personalized wow. ones. So every 20 gifts for number 20, he'll make a donation. So we've got, we've got, but we have lots of our loyal supporters and donors doing those kinds of challenge gifts. I am giving $1,000 to the team who raises the most money. And then also I decided that wasn't really fair because some of the sports don't have the ability to mm -hmm. raise as much. So I'm also going to give $1,000 to the team who has the largest increase from last year. So no matter where they're at, matter of fact, probably the teams who raise the, the, the least have the greatest chance of raising, you know, 100% more, 200% more, because it, did, it didn't seem quite fair. I wanted everybody to have a chance to, to win. So I'm going to give another $1,000 to whoever, whichever team has the largest percentage increase. And all that information, if you didn't get the email or 
have seen social media is available on social media, but also go redbirds.com. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Beggs, thank you very much for your time. <laughs> Can we do this again in like another six months? <laughs> Maybe if I have a different position, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it again. But thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. That is our guest this week, Illinois State Interim Director of Athletics, Dr. Jerry Beggs. That'll do it for our show this week. We'll talk to you next time right here on In the Nest. This has been In the Nest, the Illinois State Athletics podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Xfinity Mobile Redbird Sports Network.